I'm going to preach for a long time today, but as we come now to this time of the sermon, uh, I want to look at the gospel passage that I just read. It's obviously a very significant passage for us right now uh, because it comes from the passage in Luke about the Emmaus Road, which has uh, the the passage of scripture that we're grounding our name change in, that we're going to become the Emmaus Road Anglican Church. Um, I've said a number of times through this process that I, I would sum it up this way, that God's showing me that our church, the reason we're changing our name to that is our church, in very cool ways, has become a bit of an Emmaus road. Many have come to us in wonder, confusion, not sure how they feel about the church, not sure where they're at with Jesus. And here in that space, as like on the Emmaus road, they've encountered Jesus And he has, by his grace and his gentleness and his love, he has wooed them back into love both for him and for his bride. And so I I think in in many ways we are a bit of an Emmaus road. And so that's why as a parish council and as a church we've discerned and feel really excited about this next step as as a church. As we come to the text today, I want to point out one of the specific things that I think is important and really captures a bit of our heart as Anglicans, but as Emmaus Road Anglican Church. And it's this, that this passage of the Emmaus Road speaks beautifully to Jesus' institution of word and sacrament and the relationship between these two things. And so you see in the text, Jesus comes alongside and they don't know who he is yet. They haven't put two and two together. They're still having a heart. They've encountered Jesus, but they don't know that. Right? The revelation of Jesus has not come yet. They're there with him. And how does the revelation of Jesus come? How do they come into an awareness of not only who he is, like what's his name, right? But I get the sense on the Emmaus Road, they come into a revelation of who Jesus is at a heart level. That they're welcomed in. I just, and even just looking at how they return back to the community of faith, they're in a very different place than they were when Jesus finds them on the road. They've been restored back. They've been, in some ways, woken up, lit on fire. They've come into a revelation of who Jesus is and so what that means. The Emmaus Road is not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of one. It's it's a forever road. And they they walk in this uh, with Jesus. But the revelation comes in two very distinct ways. Both of which come, I love, in the context of community. That it's not one man on the road to Emmaus, there's two people. Right? There's, there's two people wandering, and Jesus joins them, and it's in community, and it, it from there moves into greater community as they come back into the larger community. And in the context of community, two things stand out. The first is the word. The things that we've already talked about today. Jesus comes and he begins to show them who he is, in the law and the prophets. He opens up the whole of the scriptures and shows them who he is. Shows them the divine plan of God for humanity. And praise God, if it's a divine plan for humanity, it's the divine plan for you. Because humanity of which you are a part. And so the word of God becomes this powerful thing that as he opens it up, and later on they will literally say, did our hearts not burn in us when he opened the scriptures? Right? But I think it's significant in this passage that the full revelation of who Jesus is doesn't come quite yet. Didn't our hearts burn in us? We're, we're touching something here. 
But the full of the revelation comes when word and sacrament come together. And Jesus breaks bread and he gives it to them. And it says in that moment their eyes are opened and Jesus vanishes. As if to say, I'm job done. This is why I met you on the road to Emmaus. I've done what I came to do today. It was for you to meet me in word and in sacrament. Let me read you a quote from N.T. Wright's commentary on this Emmaus Road passage. He says, Scripture and sacrament, word and meal, are joined tightly together here as elsewhere. You take Scripture away, and the sacrament becomes a piece of magic. Heather, I think this quote's there. It'll be under N.T. Wright. We could put it up, and you could actually try and... Uh, the next one, we'll go, I kind of skipped over that. Yeah, perfect, thank you. That's a, prof- that's a pretty strong statement about something so important and so beautiful, right? N.T. Wright says, take the scripture away and the sacrament becomes a piece of magic. Take the sacrament away and the scripture becomes an intellectual or emotional exercise detached from real life. Put them together, and you have the center of Christian living as Luke understood it. I love this. I thought it just articulated way better than I'll ever be able to, which, I mean, it's empty, right? If in our lives we have the Word of God, but it never becomes tangible, the Word of God never calls us to respond, to live into, to apply it, then it really becomes not a lot different than any other text of antiquity or history. It's not that it would be of no value at all, but I like what N.T. Wright says, the value would be almost limited to emotional or intellectual insight, which as we come into this space, I think most of us are aware that there's something of a deeper need in us than emotional and intellectual. Certainly, it will minister to those parts of our beings. But the word of God is meant to minister to the depths of your soul, to the full of your being, to transform you, body, soul, and spirit. And so God in his wisdom, understanding the creation that he created, understanding men and women like you and I, flesh and blood, who were created and made good, that we would interact and understand and respond in tangible ways. I think it's, it's, it's the main reason behind the answer to the question, why did he take on flesh and dwell among us? Because he knew we needed to see him, to hear him, to touch him, to watch him. And then for him to take the full of that humanity as we watch him live it to the cross and into the resurrection. It changed everything for humanity. And as we come into the space of word, and then word is married with sacrament, we too get not only to hear and to sit in the word of God, but to participate in it and to respond to it, to feed on it in our hearts by faith. To have it go far beyond the physical and to truly be something divine. And so this beautiful thing that we see on the Emmaus Road as we see elsewhere in Scripture, 
is something that we get to participate in every time that we come together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's this beautiful passage of Scripture where Paul speaks to this beautiful gift, this sacrament, and he says this of it. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And that word participation there is the Greek word koinonia. We often translate it in English as fellowship or communion. Is the cup that we bless not a fellowship, a communion, a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are all one body because we all share in the one bread. When we come to the table, having heard the word of God and participate then in the sacrament of the Eucharist, we are coming to participate in the life of Christ, to koinonia, to fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I forgot I was going to get a picture of you. I don't know if you've ever seen the famous painting by Rubeyev of the Trinity. And there's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll try and remember to bring it so you can see it if you've not seen it before. But it's beautiful the way that Rubeyev painted it. The, the three persons of the Trinity, almost with their bodies, make the shape of a chalice. And the beautiful thing of this painting being this image or this invitation, this message that as you participate in the Eucharist, you participate in this communion. You've been invited into the intimacy and the, and, and, and the participation that is shared by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? What a grace, what a gift. And so as we come together now and we move our attention to the Lord's table in our service, having heard the word of God, we move to the Lord's table that connection, I, I pray more and more by the power of the Spirit for us communally and individually would not be um, bumpy, <laughs> that wouldn't be disconnected, but that there would be a deep connection that started when we got here and has followed us through and to the table. And now having heard the word of God, we respond. We respond by coming confidently before this throne of grace that we might there receive mercy. That we might come and participate in the life of God that is ours. A couple of really quick thoughts as we prepare to move that way. The sacrament of the Eucharist is the ongoing participation that we entered into first in the sacrament of baptism. And so when we were baptized, we were brought into relationship with Jesus. We were brought into that participation. And then every time we come together and we celebrate the Eucharist, we celebrate that relationship, that covenant. Um, and so one of the things we have now, I'm so thankful after a number of years, we have a font at the back, uh, and we've had a few of our parishioners baptized now. Um, in three weeks, uh, we're going to have an incredible service here. Uh, all of the Williams kids are going to be baptized. And so we'll, we'll pull out, this is going to be a celebration beyond. We're going to have a ton of fun. 
But we leave that font there every week, and it stands near the door on purpose. Uh, And you'll see some people do this, and I want to invite you to this practice, again, if it's helpful for you. Um, But some will come and will touch that water. Water in there has been blessed, has been consecrated, set apart. And when I, when I pray over it, one of the things I pray is that this, this holy water, much like we consecrate the water in our baptism, would ground us again in our baptism. One of the things that Martin Luther used to say that I just loved was there's only one stand before Jesus. There's not sort of like, you know, the new Christian, the mature Christian, and the pastor. You know, like there's not this kind of like, there's just one stand before Jesus and we enter into it in the waters of our baptism. They were all in the same place before the Lord, and it's in anchored in our baptism. And so as we come in, we would touch that and, and cross ourselves with that water as a reminder to us that here I am, Lord. And I mean, that's always helpful for me. It's really helpful for me in a bad week. It's really helpful for me when I come and I feel like I've dropped the ball when it's going to be hard for me to enter into worship and into community without hiding or pretending, but that I remember I'm not here and able to fully enter in on my own merit, but on the grace of Jesus. And so that's there for you as well as a help uh, as you come into worship.